0: This presentation is from Design Research 2021, day one. Hi, Steve. I'm really happy to be here at UX Australia again. Um, It's been a a year or two, but I'm really really looking forward to this talk. And I'd like to start by acknowledging the traditional custodians of the land on which we gather on today and pay my respects to their elders past and present. I extend that respect to Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander peoples here today. Uh, Now, you know, thanks so much for joining me virtually, but I'm going to start a bit on a slightly perilous note by talking briefly about fear. Because it's fear that gets in the way of better onboarding. See, we fear that people may not understand how our product works. So we load up our first-time experience for people with instructions and steps. We fear that our metrics might not move if we don't get people to do certain actions right away. So we add in some prompts to get them to make some commitments. And we might fear that new users won't discover all the features that our team works so hard on. So we greet them with a descriptive showcase of all of those features that we just don't want them to miss. Any number of fears can impact what we create for our new users. So to start today and something I want you to think about is what does your team fear when it comes to new users? Take 30 seconds or so to just think of something here. You can write it down for yourself. You can put it in the chat if you'd like to share with others, but let's just get those fears down on paper somehow. Now, I like getting those fears out in the open, because it's something that we can come back to when we're thinking about designing for onboarding. And it's something I also want to speak to, because even if those fears might be grounded in a couple of reasonable concerns, over-indexing on such fears can lead us towards unnatural solutions. Specifically, and most commonly, toward front-loaded instruction. This is when we try to get users to learn or do everything in our products up front by using anything from slideshows, setup flows, tooltip towards overlays, you name it. And unfortunately, front-loaded instruction comes with many perils. For one, it's just hard to remember. It's like attending one lecture at a university. You can't be expected to remember it after just one sitting. It's also presented out of the context of use so it's really hard for people to know how to apply what you're showing them to how they might actually use things later. And they aren't always that effective either when it comes to moving our metrics or helping people learn things. Consider a 2015 case study from TV and music platform Vivo. In an A-B test, they removed some mobile app tutorial slideshow screens which appeared in front of a sign-in screen, leaving just the sign-in screen behind. And when they did this, they found that sign-ups went up without any drop in retention or engagement. Or consider this research on mobile app tutorials done by Nielsen Norman Group, where they found that participants who read the tutorials perceived the app's tasks as more complex than those who had skipped the tutorial. And yet those who read the tutorial weren't any more capable than those who skipped it. And while we might think that this guidance upfront will be easier to knock out in the product development process, in the long run, it can be harder to maintain because it's this extra element that needs to be updated every time your UI changes. So given all the other hazards of front-loaded instruction, we need to find a better way. So let's see how we can look past our fears and toward better onboarding. Which starts by realizing that better onboarding comes not through front-loaded instruction, but through guided interaction. Guided interaction involves onboarding users at their own pace, instead of forcing them to do or learn everything on a compressed time scale that we define. It also means anchoring information to action instead of explaining things out of context. And finally, it's about presenting guidance in a way that feels like an authentic extension of your product instead of something that feels tacked on or separate. So what might that look like in practice? Well, let's say that there's a hypothetical app that lets people post fashion questions and get answers from a community. It has a set of community guidelines that we'd like people to follow because those guidelines result in high quality content that will keep people coming back. So it's important that new contributors understand those guidelines. Now the typical front-loaded instruction approach ah, would look something like this, showing all the community guidelines upfront the moment someone first arrives. But people might not read this or they might skim it and then forget. So what if instead we could distribute the right pieces of that information across the many parts of our experience that users might encounter and make it more relevant without blocking them from getting use up front? For example, we might get rid of that upfront screen and take people instead straight to our homepage or home screen where they can explore our products, start digging into the questions and answers already in there. And we might just show a brief bit of introductory information about our community guidelines, which we can anchor around a primary call to action to ask a question. All we need to say here is that those guidelines will benefit them by leading to high-quality answers. Then if someone decides to ask a question, we can expose more of the guidelines on the sign-up flow, where, yeah, there we can start asking for things like agreement. But even after that's done, we can continue to reinforce the community guidelines as they're relevant to different actions. For example, showing the guidelines that will help someone craft a good question that will get high quality answers. By anchoring this guidance to the actions it most supports, we make those community guidelines just that much more actionable and memorable than if we just kind of put it up front and then leave it alone later. Now, this kind of distributed and in-context guidance is particularly helpful if your product requires a commitment from users as well. For example, um, graphic design platform Canva lets new and unregistered users of its website compose materials without an account. They focus first on getting someone to do the action of creating an item, which is achieved just by the inviting design of their homepage. Once they've chosen an item, then they can be guided through selecting and setting up a design, all the way through to downloading a static PDF of what they've created. And it's not until after that's been successfully done that the product then prompts the person to create an account, because now they're able to frame it around the value of coming back to edit that design later much more effective than asking someone upfront before they've gotten any personal context to assign to that request. So how do we get to this point where we can see these opportunities for distributing guidance and anchoring it to contextual actions? Well, by realizing that a better onboarding experience also comes from treating it as a journey that occurs over time. See, many of us think that onboarding is this single moment of instruction and then poof magically the user will know everything about our product and jump right into getting on with it and our fears they often come from this pressure we feel to get things right in this small window of time that we perceive being available to us but really that single moment in time is just the first time use and it's a small part of a larger onboarding journey because onboarding is a broader journey of acclimation and engagement made up of many different actions that people might encounter between arriving at your product and then reaching the point where they become a core user of it. To embrace onboarding as a journey means that we then have to have a better definition of what success means for it. See, onboarding is not measured by superficial measures and metrics like sign-up rate, click-through rate, tutorial, or setup completion rate. Even testing that lab study participants were able to discover all of your feature in one study is still not a valid indicator of overall onboarding success. It just means that people were able to find things in that one session. However, onboarding does share the same end goals as your products, and that's what you hold success to. It's about things like better short and midterm retention, seeing deeper engagement with your core features, or higher revenue caused by both of those things. So you judge how successful onboarding is by looking at how it's contributing to overall sustainability or growth of your business or product. Put another way, this means that onboarding really ends for a user when their core use of your product begins. Core use means that the user is sustaining their needs with your product while also contributing to the sustainability or growth of it in turn. And it also means that they've found some success with your product as well. As an example, let's see what core use could be for that fashion question and answer product from the last section. Here, core use for that product might just mean that people are contributing to the community two or more times a week. This ensures the community is sustained and active, but it also represents an achievable and successful state for the user as well. Once we've got that, then we can consider the ways that a new user might begin and start in our product. Let's say we've got somebody who has a specific question they need an answer to. Once we've got those two endpoints defined, then we can zoom out and fill in the actions that might make up the journey between each of them. And once we know what those different actions might be, we can zoom in to anchor contextual guidance to each of them and help people move forward as they interact with them. So let's say we zoomed in on the action of someone posting their first question we can see how we might apply guidance across the flow of it we'd first need to guide them into the action we do that with some form of a prompt here we have an embedded prompt on the home screen of this fashion question and answer product where we're able to guide people toward asking a question by framing it around getting top quality answers so here guidance is just encouraging people to take that step then we need to guide them through doing the work of posting their first question. Here, it includes supporting them through signing up, then towards composing a question, which involves showing tips or examples and some elements from the community guidelines to help guide them through doing that well. And then finally, you'd have guidance immediately after the question has been posted in this case, in this form, um, in this form called a follow-up state. Here, we're guiding people in several ways, familiarizing someone with their contributions page by redirecting them here after their question is posted, confirming that their question was successfully posted, and most importantly, guiding them towards next steps. Here, we're clearly encouraging them to take the next step in their journey by turning on notifications But we can also see that there's other next steps they could take, for example, browsing topics, bridging them to another action that could exist on this onboarding journey, even if it's in a different order than another user might take it. So by first zooming out to see the actions that might exist between core use and an entry point, and then zooming in to anchor guidance to individual actions, we're able to help guide people at their own pace. And this is the reality of onboarding journeys, which is that rarely does everyone follow the same path that is plotted out linearly. They'll likely follow different paths based on different starting points or needs of their own. So I wanna preempt one more fear that might be popping into your head as you're seeing the reality of onboarding journeys, a fear that this might be too much work. That is a valid fear, but it's a fear that often comes from viewing onboarding as something that needs to be done completely separately from the rest of your product. But better onboarding starts with better product design in the first place. See, onboarding design begins in that core product, not with overlays or add-ons, because that's what remains if a user skips, ignores, or otherwise forgets something that we put on top of our product. And even the most well-crafted t- tours and tutorials cannot make up for that poor core product design. So you need to understand how the basics, so to speak, of your product can inherently guide users before you implement any other fancy UI patterns. These can include things like navigation, labels, affordances, even the transitions that you might have between states. These can greatly influence the learnability of your product. For example, many studies have shown that using an icon and a label together as navigation affordances can increase comprehension as well as usage of the features those lead to. An article from Microsoft shows how they found this out when redesigning the ribbon feature in their office products. They said that when they added labels back to the ribbon's navigation icons, almost immediately the toolbars were a big hit and everyone at all skill levels started using them. Improvement in your core product design can also have meaningful business impacts by making it easier for new users to find and act on your product's valuable content. Take Print Globe, a company that sells custom printed products, for example. Originally, they had had pages with only image-based navigation of categories. Then they added some text-based navigation to the side, as well as highlighting the most popular categories at the top of their page. And just by doing this, they saw an 18.5% increase in order conversions without having to add anything additional just for new users. This benefits new and existing users alike. Now, once you have that foundation of a good core product design, then you can think about extending off of it to provide some custom elements for new users. One of the best places to start to think about how to have special states or patterns for new users is by looking at the empty states of your product. These are places where you can put guidance in the context of where content will be once that's it's activated or populated and you can make things really actionable. Here we see an example from a TransferWise empty state of their recipients tab, where they explain what the recipients tab is for and have two actions in line to start helping people add recipients. This will be a different design than when the content is populated, but it's special for new users and in the place where it would normally be used. Or take Notion, a workspace and productivity tool. They have an example document that they put into the files list for new users so that they don't just have an empty files list and are wondering how to start a new file or folder. It is an interactive document. It demonstrates the flexibility of the Notion tool with these checkbox elements, but they're completely editable. People can delete them, turn them into their own, but it's a way of letting people interactively play with something if they need a little extra support. And for creation of subsequent new files, each of those empty states of those documents suggest what can be done with them in a slightly less um, populated way. It's a bit more subtle, but you can see there, there's some hint text that suggests what someone can use this space for, and they can immediately get rid of it just by typing anything. Or take this example from Smart Compose from Gmail of having a little bit extra scaffolding for new users and taking it away as they begin using it. When Smart Compose was introduced, there was a message off to the side as well as a tab hint inline on the email that described how you would accept a suggestion. And once you started using the feature successfully, that hint gracefully reduced to just the gray inline hint text Message is gone as well as the ongoing tab hint. And I'll close out by just talking a moment about those overlays. Thing with overlays, and this inc- is a broad category that includes tooltips, modal dialogues, sheets, all of those sorts of things. The thing is that to be heated, they need to happen at a time when the user is ready for that information. Unfortunately, they're often triggered at times that are disruptive, which leads to them being ignored. And if they happen too often, people learn to ignore them as well. So we have to use them sparingly, if at all. What this essentially means is that overlays are best reserved for a natural pause in the experience, perhaps something like the end of a flow. Here we have an example from the commute app transit. And if the first time somebody stars a public transit line, they get a one-time overlay in a sheet form, informing them that they've added that line to their favorites along with a suggested follow-up step to get notified when there are travel updates about that line. So to recap, better onboarding comes first with better product design. Addressing some of the core elements of your product can benefit your new users, as well as existing users. And then you can extend off of that to create these authentic moments of guidance that might just be special for new users. Better onboarding also comes by treating it as a journey, not just as one moment. When you treat it as a journey, you're able to see how to offload the first run experience from a ton of information and instead distribute it and make for more flexible onboarding journeys. And ultimately, Better onboarding comes from guided interaction, where we are putting that guidance in context and helping people experience our products in their own ways while getting acclimated to them. And so I'll just end on a note. There's a lot to read and learn about onboarding. I have a long reading list of resources that you can access, chrishiggins.com onboarding reading dash list. I will also put a link in the chat once I close out a presenter view here. Um, and there's a as well a book on this topic if, if you'd like. So thank you so much for joining me and have a great rest of your conference.